I need to take a love offering over there. <laughs> well, see, I rest my case. So. <laughs> Let's hold those Bibles up. If you have them, I'm a child of God. Have in my hand a powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, reconcile us back to God. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I love you and it's going to be all right. Yeah, Tim Stone, he's on there on the, yeah, he's on the, he's on the bottom of our recent list. Yeah, I forgot to mention him. I mentioned Tim Stone. Tim is, um, his, uh, wife used to be, uh, at the athletic department in Jinx. And, uh, Tim's a fine young man and, uh, he's in need of a heart transplant. And so he's on the list and he's down in Oklahoma City, uh, awaiting that. So, uh, keep Tim and, um, See, uh, what's, what's his wife's name? Leslie, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Just got prayer requests that he's waiting a heart transplant. So. so be praying for Tim and Leslie Stone. Good, good folks. In your Bible, turn to Matthew 5. We're going to pick it up at verse 21 to 26. We're going to deal with a tough subject today. In our series on tears... There are times when hurt runs deep. Amen? Both inflicted and inflicted. Sometimes we hurt. Sometimes we get hurt. We want to talk about that today. Pick it up with me in verse 20, 21. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I can't go back to the AKJV. I, I just can't. So I'll go to the New King James, and that's the only compromise I'll make. God bless you out there. Well, the rest of you can sink or swim, however you want to. Whatever Bible you're using, it'll be pretty close to what I'm saying. Here we go. You have heard it was said... To those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift and agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you over to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. 
I have said before, and I will continue to say till I cannot say it any longer, God does not call us because of our ability. He calls us because of our availability. How available are we to do the things of God? Now, you could answer that a lot of different ways. Well, I'm available to mow the grass. Fantastic. I'm available to wash the windows. Fantastic. I'm available to pick up stuff off the floor. Hallelujah. And by the way, we'd like for you in the, as we go forward, because many of you are not good at cleaning up spills when you spill in here. Only bring water in here. Because then it should dry up and not have to be, not be brown, big old brown stains on the carpet. You wouldn't want that at your house, so don't bring it into God's house. Oh, look at them. Man. That's what that room over there is for. It's got all kinds of tile floor. You can spill all you want over there. We'd help, we'd appreciate you clean it up, but you can spill all you want over there. So let's try to concentrate on just bringing water in here. Enough of that commercial. Let's move on. Availability. See, God reminds me that He's not interested in my abilities, my treasures, my gifts. He's not really interested in that. He's interested in my availability to use all that. I like, I like the fact that their dad would say, Hey, how much did you make today? Nothing like putting you on the spot. So next Sunday when you come in, I'm going to be at the door. I'm going to say, How much did you make this week? Don't lie to God. Well, you're not God. Okay. So maybe we'll just put a sign with God standing by it. Well, what's God look like? I don't know. You see, God is so much more interested in my heart, isn't He? Because if He has my heart, He's got all I have. When I married that little five-foot girl 38 years ago, she had my heart. Still does. Now she can say stuff to me that you can't say to me. Oh, you might say it to me, but then we're going to have to be in this reconciliation thing we're going to talk about here. She can say whatever she wants to, and she's in the nursery, so she's not hearing this anyway. Yeah, you'll tell her. It's on, it's on, yeah, we're, uh, we're broadcast back there, so she'll hear everything. Just let it go. But she can speak into my life, and I don't have to worry about reconciliation, because she's right. Amen? How have I lasted 38 years? She's right. That little five-footer is right. I don't know about all women. I just know about that one. I'm just expecting you to sit and not say anything because you'll get in trouble if you talk. Jesus tells this person who's in the process of coming to God's altar. This person is coming to God's altar to bring a gift to God. And Jesus says, if you remember that you got a problem with a brother or sister, 
says, don't leave the gift. Leave the altar area and go reconcile with your brother or your sister in Christ. Then, come back. Mm-hmm. You see, this isn't, this isn't the atheist down the street. This is that brother or sister in Christ that we've gotten at odds with. There's a word of encouragement in these passages for us as the church today. It warns us that the only way we can make progress as a church is that we make sure that we're reconciled one to another. If we've got a problem with each other, we need to take care of it. We do. If you've said something or somebody has said something to you, both are responsible to get that taken care of. See, if you're the one that's been hurt, you, you can just throw up your, you can throw up your walls and go, ain't hey, my problem, it's that problem. Lunatic. Whitewashed sepulcher. There's for you, old King James folks. Den of vipers. Another KJV. See? We can hold that grudge. We can hold that offense. But God's looking for what? Our heart. God looks at the inside at our heart. So I urge you, as we're looking at this passage this morning, to open your eyes to see if perhaps there's a brother or sister in this church family. I'm not talking about another one. I'm talking about this one. This church family. Or even outside this church family. I'll even go that that far. That's within the circle of faith in Christ. You see, because we're all, if we can't fellowship together here, how do we plan to do it eternally in heaven? How? I saw a thing on Facebook. I think Brad put it on the other week or so ago. This preacher was teaching the guy how to jump rope. I wanted to fire on it and said, Brad, I don't know what you're after, but no, I'm not going to jump rope up in the front of the church house. This girl was trying to jump rope. She had no idea what she was doing. Wasn't it two of them? They had two of them going? Yeah. Boy, this preacher, he's in his robe now. Hikes it up and he jumps between both of them and then steps out like, well, ain't no big deal. I thought, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd be in traction. Good night. But he's trying to make a point. If you don't get right going in, you're not going to make it. He said, so you got to get right going in. And my contention is we've been to the water, we've come out of the water, and that will fit 98% of the people in this room this morning. You've been to the water, you've come out of the water, you've really been walking a new life. Why aren't we acting like a new life person? It's dangerous to pray for reconciliation. It's dangerous to pray, God, open my heart. It's dangerous to say, God, I am in need of you. Now, your outline is pretty skimpy this morning. But I left you some spaces because I expect you to write something down. Even if, man, this was a lousy sermon. I don't, I'll think you're writing something good. So, 
you know, write something. But this is your morning to fill in, not for me to leave you a blank to fill in. Because you see, how we feel about each other and the animosity that we show toward each other hurts God. Hurts God and hurts His cause. If I'm so worried about whether or not I'm going to make it, if I'm so worried or not whether so-and-so's got the bigger church than I've got, we're in deep trouble, folks. There's plenty of churches in Jinx in Tulsa. If you don't like one, take go. There's there's 13 other ones within a five mile radius. Go on, grab one of them. Every persuasion you could think of. Now, I mean, you know, you can go from Baptist to Unitarian. Unitarians are just whatever you want to believe is okay with us. Well, I believe murder is okay. Okay, sounds good. You think I'm kidding? They're the ones that say everybody's going to heaven, no matter who it is, because nobody's going to be left out. Well, then there's something wrong with the Bible that I read, because Jesus said you're going to be left out. Are you with me so far? Okay, it's time to get in then. Here we go. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus gives the basis for for the priority that He lays out. He begins by teaching and quoting from the Sixth Commandment, You shall not murder. Well, that's that's a strong word, isn't it? Murder. You shall not murder. Seems like we... Every day, somebody's being killed, aren't they? Or shot, or almost. It seems like every day. Crazy. We're in crazy time. Oh, I know. Just got to confiscate all the guns. Amen? We got to put a sign that says, No guns allowed here. Because when the guy's coming in to shoot somebody, he sees that sign, he's going to stop and say, Hope oh, I can't go in there with my gun. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Churches, our large churches, are having to protect the members of the church with security, armed security guards. Got to do it. But I say to you, you know, Jesus says you shouldn't murder. That's amen. We'll all say amen. But then he says, but I say to you. As if he were canceling the law, but he's not. He's not canceling the law. He's just referencing the law. His teaching added to the law. Speaking, He's not speaking against the law in this passage. Far from it. In fact, he's actually exalting God's law. Because in verses 17 through 19, Do not think that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or even tittle will be by no means passed from the law that's, that's, uh, till it's all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of these least of these commandments and teaches men to do so, shall he be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you will keep the law, you're going to be okay. Those ten commandment principles are still in effect today. There is no God greater than our God. None. None! Muhammad. He's a pedophile. Read about him. Educate yourself. Allah. Same as our God, we're told. No, it's not. Wake up, Christians. Wake up. Well, I I don't get that on TV. Well, get out of the TV. Boy, you know, they're journalists on TV, aren't they? 
Boy, they tell you nothing but the truth on TV. Praise God. So Jesus isn't teaching against the law. Look at verse 20. For I said to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. See, the scribes and Pharisees, they were only concerned about the mere letter of the law. That's all they cared about. And Jesus said, if yours doesn't exceed theirs, you're not going to make it to the kingdom. Wow. Ours is to exceed theirs. So that's why Jesus uses the formula throughout his teaching in Scripture, and especially in this particular uh, section of Scripture. He's calling his followers to a righteousness that goes beyond the mere superficial obedience of God's commandments. He's asking them to, to show true obedience. See, so many of us, just we want to do just enough to get in. When's the last time you spent any time thinking about the holiness in your life? There's a website called Ashley Madison. Any of you know about it? Sure, you've heard it in the news. Hopefully you don't use it. Ashley Madison's key phrase is, my wife knows it, I don't know it. But the idea is, if you're unhappy in your married relationship, stay married, it's okay, just have an affair. And there's, there's people in your area ready to hook up. It's okay. Well, it's kind of boring around here, I'll tell you. Oh boy, just kind of put weight on and he ain't got it no more like he used to have, I'll tell you. Hmm. So what happens if uh, your mate has a stroke and can't perform at all? Well, then that must be licensed. I, I still have needs and those needs have to be met. Jesus had something to say about that here in our in our section of scripture here. In fact, he says, "Whoever looks at a man, look at verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight." He says, "Whoever looks at a woman, if a man looks at a woman to lust for her, has already committed what adultery in his heart." Well, I'm just looking at her. I'm not lusting after her. Okay. Gotcha. If you're not a Christian, that's the way you're supposed to act. To be honest with you. But if you're a Christian, you've given your life to Jesus, you've risen to walk in a new life, you are not to act that way anymore. You're to be holy, even as He is holy. So when's the last time you spent five minutes thinking about the holiness in your own life? Is there anything that you need to rearrange? Is there anything you need to redo? Is there anything you need to give up? Is there anything you need to stop doing that's, that's fouling up the holiness in your life? Well, I just can't get over this habit I've had. I cuss all the time. I just can't do it. Bada, 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 bada. I didn't believe I could ever walk past the buffet line, but I've done it a number of times. I didn't think I'd be able to stop eating apple pie, but I have. 
I didn't think I could stop eating ice cream, but I've pretty much done that too. I don't even talk about butter brickle anymore. Who cares? I don't care. Because I know what that does to me. So to strive for holiness means I give it up. And I change. Because holiness means more to me than five minutes with a bowl of ice cream. And he goes on to say, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Man, that's straight through the, through the uh, fluff and right in between your eyes, isn't it? So preacher, are you telling me that everybody has been divorced and remarried is going to hell? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Back that horse up a minute. That's a teaching for another day. You've heard it said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, verses 33 and 34, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, giving us a command that regulates and restricts vengeance. Well, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That guy just cut my heads down. I'm going to go cut his heads down. Eye for an eye. If you operate eye for an eye, you're going to be blind soon, folks. Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Verses 43-44. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Oh my goodness. ISIS has been taking these young Christian women and raping them repeatedly. The suicide rate among those women under ISIS control is is off the chart. But now a number of them have come down with STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. Oh, boo-hoo. Evil rises, you pay a price. You think Satan cares? Not one bit. He'll take them to hell just as soon as He'll take anybody else. God has called you and me to a righteous, holy life. Not a life like the world. We've got to live here. We don't have to be like it. Don't be like it. Don't steal from your boss. Don't talk bad about your boss behind his back. Well, you don't have never met my boss. I don't care. Don't do it. Don't get caught up in that. Be holy. Strive for holiness. So he says, you shall not murder. He starts with the sixth commandment. And he adds probably the comment drawn from Jewish teachers and scholars. And underscores, he says, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And they should. Well, what if they come to Jesus in prison? Shouldn't they be released so they could preach the gospel? No. If they're on death row, they should die for the crime that they did if they were convicted of it and it's proven. And if they found Christ while they're there, hallelujah, their, their destiny is determined. Their eternity is set. And I told that to one person one time. They went ballistic. Called me everything in the book except a preacher. 
Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother without cause, you also could be in danger of the judgment. So he's equating murder and anger and hate toward a brother. Whoa. He's comparing the two. Man. Now that's, that's, that's anger toward a brother without cause, a fellow believer, a member of the same household of faith. When you harbor that kind of bitterness and resentment toward a brother or sister, you stand guilty of the same judgment as if you'd murdered them. That's what Jesus said. Then he goes on to say, whoever calls it, says to his brother Raka, it's an Aramaic term of contempt. It means something like empty-headed. He's in danger of the council, the ruling council of the Jewish people. But whoever says you fool is in danger of hell fire. I don't know about you, but hell fire doesn't sound good at all. That's the way my mother looked at me often when I was growing up. I knew there was hell fire coming out of her eyes. And if I didn't find a halo real fast, I was in deep trouble. I was probably going to see Jesus. 1 John 3.15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So think again about that brother or sister in Christ with whom you maybe are at odds. And do you realize what Jesus is saying? He's, he's, he's restoring the sixth commandment to its true force and applying it to the person for whom we've been alienated. People will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm certainly nothing to brag about, but I'm not as bad as some people. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're just as lost as you were before you found Jesus if you haven't made any changes in your life. See, it's far better to not ever come to Jesus and go to hell just like you are than it is to come to Jesus and then not live for Him. It's going to be far worse. Now, I would want all of you to come to Jesus. I want all of you to come. And Jesus does too because He's very patient. He's long-suffering. He wants everyone to come to the Lord. He wants everyone to be saved. Amen? He wants us all to come because He knows what heaven is like and He knows what hell is like. And hell you don't want to go to. We must be reconciled to that brother or sister with whom we are at odds because to do otherwise is to commit an act of murder in our hearts. And God sees our hearts. He will not accept the service or the sacrifice or the gifts at His altar of someone who's harboring an attitude of murder. See how serious this is? These are the words of Jesus. This isn't the words of Harold the preacher. These are the words of Jesus. Which leads us to consider the priority that Jesus establishes in verses 23 and 24. Look what he says. He describes the situation where he says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Many people believe that they can continue to harbor resentment and bitterness in their hearts toward a brother or sister in Christ, so long as they are faithful givers and sacrificial donors to the work of God. They can hate people. They can have ill against one another. Because, boy, I bring good offerings to the Lord. Well, Jesus is saying, leave your gift. 
Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer the gift. So just leave it there. Straighten it out and then come back. What a, what a, what a statement. Look at the action that He's calling us to do. If you there remember that you got something against your brother. People have said about taking communion, well, if you're worthy, none of us are. So you don't have to consider whether you're worthy or not. You're not. We're not. Amen? But we're supposed to look in our hearts and see where we are and try to clean up a little bit before communion gets through. But so many times when we pause and we reflect, and I ask you oftentimes, I said, focus on what the Lord did for you. Oh, we're off to other kinds of, you know, we're looking at our phone, we're looking at our, our, our emails, we're looking at our text messages, we're looking at Facebook, we're looking at anything we need to look at, and then the communion comes, oh, oh okay, okay. It's all by happenstance. Hmm. So we think if we just swallow it or we stuff it in, it eventually will take care of itself. Does it ever? No. You know it doesn't. If a husband and wife are upset at each other, talk. In fact, the Bible says, deal with it before the sun goes down. Deal with it quickly. Amen? Don't let it fester. What happens if it festers? It gets pussy. And if it gets pussy, it's ugly. There's nothing worse than to have a pussy pus pocket on your, on your body somewhere. Amen? And I've got a nurse in there. She knows what I'm talking about. I'm trying to use some imagery that will just kind of get you sick. Because that's where God is. You know, we've heard, we've heard it preached, and I've taught it before. You've listened to it. You've read it. You may have even taught it in Matthew 18. If a brother or sister sins against you, go and tell that brother or sister his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, You've gained your brother. So in other words, go reconcile with each other. Work it out between yourselves. You don't need to take a whole bunch. You don't need to get on the phone and get 25 people to be on your side before you go try to straighten it out. Go straighten it out. Suck it up. Realize that you could have screwed up yourself. Some of it. Okay? Takes two to tango. Amen? He did not create Adam and Eddie. He created man and woman for one purpose. And man, when you're married, hallelujah. Amen? Now, I figured I'd get at least an amen. I get a half heart. <laughs> yeah, okay. An offense can also occur when we simply despise someone or show contempt towards them. Now, we may have said something. They may have said something. But when you just despise them, well, I just don't like that person. Well, why don't you? I, I, I just don't like them. Well, what is it about them? I don't know. That's that, maybe it's that one eye in the middle of their forehead. I, I, I don't know what it is. Their lips are too big. Okay. Use them for a fan later. I don't know. Whatever it is. 
those videos of dogs hanging out the window, you know, all those jaws of blood. James 2.1 says it this way. My brothers, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Either love me or don't. Don't love some and hate the others. I read a blog about preachers. Preachers put this stuff on a blog. It's really their, it's their spot to just gripe about stuff. So one got on the other day and he was, he was boy, he was Church of Christ, died in the wool. About how we call, some guys in the churches are called pastors instead of ministers as the Bible teaches. I so much wanted to say, man, when you're on the other side of that wall in heaven, do not get loud because I don't want you to mess up my peace. We might look down on a brother or sister because they're poorer than us, less educated than us, not as in shape as we are. <laughs> and resentment can be built for those that have a lot of stuff, amen? I mean, we look at them and think, why, why, why? How far can we take all this? How serious should the offense be that we have to take care of it? It doesn't seem that Jesus gives any qualifications other than this one. He says, if our brother has something against us, it can be small, it can be large, it can be minuscule, it can be monumental. We may not be able to reconcile with them. That's the other thing I need to make sure that you understand today, is that you may not be able to reconcile with them. In fact, in Romans 12, 18, it says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So in other words, if you realize you've got a problem, go try to work it out. If they don't, re- if they don't receive you, they don't accept that, they don't work with it, you've done all you can do. And to me, you're in, you're in good standing with God again. Go back to the altar and offer your gift. Because then the problem's on them, isn't it? If I'm willing to love you and go the second mile with you and give you whatever you need at that moment, and then you continue to expect more and maybe I don't give it to you anymore, I've done all I can do. I've done all I can do. But it's not about giving stuff. It's about harboring ill will, ill feelings. Because if the rift is there, to knowingly keep the rift there, again, we're guilty of murder in the eyes of God. First, he says, go fix it. And do it quickly, he says. Because he doesn't want our gift if he doesn't first have our heart. And if if we are are willing... We are willingly at odds with our brothers or sisters in Christ. He doesn't fully have our heart. Third point I want to make real quickly in verses 25 and 26. Look what Jesus said. Agree with your adversary quickly. I've mentioned that before. While you're on your way with him. I believe Jesus is using this to teach us that two men who are so at odds with one another that they become adversaries is a bad thing. Now, it hadn't happened here since I've been in church, but I've, I've known of churches where in leadership meetings, actual 
fights will take place. They're at a church leadership meeting discussing things of God in that particular church. And two men start fighting like little children. And then they get up and start shoving each other. Really? (laughs) Don't you know Jesus wants to climb down from the cross and just work them over? How childish and immature and unchristian is that? Wow. I love the way our men operate now. If we are deciding on something and there may not be a consensus, 100% support of this item, we stop. We just table it and we don't, we don't deal with it. We pray about it. We discuss it some more later, but we just table it. It may be that we don't need to do it. Is that, you see what I'm saying? There's no reason to just run roughshod and do because I want it done. Who cares who you are? Who cares? It's like having a it's like having a certain kind of color in a room. I want it this way, this way it's gonna be. If it ain't that way, well, I'll leave the church. Hmm. Well, if so and so doesn't start preaching this way, man, I'm I'm gonna go find another preacher. There's a thousand of them. There's a thousand of them in jinx today preaching. Just grab one of them. You know, if you, if you don't want anybody saying anything to you about sin in your life, you need to go to the Unitarian Church. You'll never hear sin. You'll hear the Reader's Digest version of this or this book and the four love languages and here's what, the, you know, here's what it means. And you'll never hear about sin. You'll never hear about any of that. Hmm. But he says, agree with your adversary quickly. 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 Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, he says to couples. Somebody offends a brother who refuses to reconcile. They're in trouble. They're in trouble with God. If you've risen or walked in a new life, you ought to be doing the things that God wants you to do. There ought to be a holiness that you're striving for that will make you do and let you do and cause you to do things that you never thought possible. To love people the way you never thought you could. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, this is so foreign to you. You don't have any idea what all this means. Because you see, outside of Christ, you're going to hell anyway. You don't act this way if you're outside of Christ. I mean, it's not a bad way to act. wouldn't hurt you. Get along with people better. But if you're outside of Christ, nobody expects you to do this. When my boys became Christians, I began to teach them, Hey, look, you're a Christian now. You've got to act different. And it's taken a while. One of them in particular. It's taken a while. But after 30 years, some of the things I hear him say now just blow my mind. But I think that's because of that little one-year-old girl that stares at him a lot. It's funny how when a child comes, your whole world changes, doesn't it? Or should. 
Matthew 6, Jesus says, For if you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Oh, oh, oh. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Wow. And notice what Jesus says back in our text. He says, while you're on your way with him. See, sometimes we hang out with each other. We're fellowship with each other. We're going to church with each other. But we're at odds with each other. It ought not be that way. It ought not be that way. Now, I don't know about you, but these are convicting words. I'm convicted. I hope you are. The toughest thing is what I'm going to ask you to do now. And we're going to sing an invitation song. And you'll all sing the song. But if there's a brother or sister in this room this morning that you're at odds with, that you need to reconcile with, I'm going to ask you to show extreme courage and humility. And go take care of it. Just walk over to them. We're all going to be standing. We won't see much. Just walk over to them. Take care of it. Because in Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. <laughs> Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Pray with me, please. Father, we're going to stand in a few moments and we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'm just going to ask you to touch people's hearts. I've been the preacher of this church now for 21 years. I've never asked this church to do this. But I'm so touched by what you've done in me this week. And may you, God, help us to keep any such bitterness from springing up and ruining your good work among us. May you fully have our hearts. But you can never have our hearts fully until we first are reconciled with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Let's stand and sing.